0: Colossians chapter 3, that's us, we're still busy with the series Against the Tide. Christ first. And today we taking it a little bit further in verses, from verses 5 of chapter 3 to verses 10. God's tangible display when your old clothes don't fit. It's amazing when your old clothes don't fit anymore and you want them to fit. And some of them are your favorites, isn't it true? <laughs> But let's read together here this morning from verses 5. And it starts very seriously, on a very serious note. It says, put to death. Did you hear that? Put to death. Therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. Then it refers to what belongs to your earthly nature. Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires and greed, which is idolatry. Because of this, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived. But now you must rid yourself of all such things as these. Anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. So far, may God bless the reading of his precious word. Could I have some water? Some of my throat is a little bit dry. Uh, in this chapter, Paul writes to the church about the clothes that just do not fit them anymore. And are no longer appropriate for their new lifestyle. Frankly, their old clothes are releasing an unpleasant odor. How do you like? That's what Paul was saying. An unpleasant odor. Paul is not talking about real clothes though, isn't it? He's is talking about the behaviours and the attitudes that they used to wear before they came to faith in Christ. You get the picture? We're starting right there. want we'll to get into it immediately. Thanks a lot. Uh, okay, it's holy water. Let's drink, yeah? But Let's get a, get back again. Paul is not talking about real clothes. So he's talking about the, uh, though, yeah. But he's talking about the behaviors and the attitudes that they used to wear before they came to faith in Christ. Living out your new identity means that you must put off your old godless lifestyle. That, was, that is what Paul tried to say to the Colossian believers. This is not just washing your old clothes. Don't, we always do that, eh? Washing your old clothes. Doesn't, mending, mending your old clothes. Patching them, isn't it? And putting them back on. Hoping they look a little bit better. It is a whole new closet. Did you hear that? It? It's a whole new closet. When Jesus Christ takes over in your life. He adds a whole new closet to your life. When we come to faith in Jesus Christ, we are given totally new clothes. The old has got to go out with the waste. that's wasted. Paul focuses on the behaviors, as I said earlier, and attitudes that must have been particular problems for these believers. These dysfunctional and destructive practices were threatening their church life, their community life, their witnessing, as well as who they were in Christ. It was just affecting, it's threatening all of that, most of the aspects of their lives. But you know, the, uh, the, uh, many Christians today, just like those Colossian Christians, want the benefits of salvation, but they really do not want the commitment that it requires. They think being a Christian is believing who Christ is. Is that what you believe this morning? Who Christ is? It's not enough to believe who Christ is. We know the Bible says the demons tremble. They believe and they tremble at knowing who Christ really is. eh? It's not about knowing who he is. It's about a relationship, a personal relationship. We all know that with him. You know, and uh, we often say also when we, uh, when we think of being a Christian, being a Christian is about working on behavioral modifications. That's what the world say today. I'm going to modify my behavior a little bit just to fit in with what everybody else expects me to do. Isn't it true? It's not what I want. I'm just modifying it just so that people could... Look at me and say, yes, he or she is a believer. Have you been doing that? My goodness! Don't ever do that. You cannot modify your behavior. You cannot modify who you are. You are who you are. And in Christ, you are a better product. There are big sins, some say, and there are small sins. Have you heard that? There are big sins and there are small sins. Well my answer to you would be all sin may not be equal in your eyes but all sin is serious all sin is serious it cost the life and death of Jesus Christ it cost Jesus his life it cost Jesus everything our commitment to change means that all aspects of our lives big and small are series. Did you hear that? And that is why yeah, we are into, we're going to be challenged a little bit here at the beginning and also towards the end as well. But we need to do, get through this because we're doing a series and we've got to get through this. And the first one is God's tangible display. The tangible display of change involves eradication that's the that's the first one verse 5 there says put to death therefore whatever belongs to your earthly nature whoa, father what do no. the men know whatever belongs to your earthly nature this may sound extreme and it is the proper response to sin is not to treat it casually but to kill it isn't it true You do not try to trick sin. You do not try to tame it. You terminate it. You eradicate it. Isn't it true? You should have gotten excited about that. We've got to do that, brothers and sisters. You do not put it aside. or Or put it under a carpet. You put it to death. That's what Paul is saying there. Put it to death. What is it that you need to put to death here this morning? You put it to death. Extreme problems require extreme solutions. And then he begins by listing sexual sins. He starts with that, sexual immorality. He begins by listing sexual sins, and we've got to get into this. And I want to say this right from the outset. That sounds like a bad word within Christian service, but it's not a bad word. God created us as sexual beings. Our sexuality is part of God's good creation and part of what cements a marriage relationship together. Let us remember that. What Paul is insisting, they strip off, is the hurtful, destructive, selfish misuse in a nutshell, and I'm summarizing it, of sex that harms and destroys people. You get the picture? When we encounter something that would entice you away, what do you do? Do you sit and stare at it? How do you stare at it? Or do you fight it? Fight to overcome it. Fight to conquer it. I don't know what you are facing. It might not be a sexual thing. But yeah, I'm first of all referring to that. But what is it? that you've got to fight this morning. I want to say you this, you fight it. Don't give up. Say, I've got to conquer this. I've got to go through this. Never give up. Even when you feel drained and exhausted, you fight it. But now Paul, when he speaks about sexual sin, he says, this sin is all-encompassing. That you see that there? And Paul begins to expand on the list here. It leads, first of all, to impurity. You can read it there. Leads to impurity, it comes, and impurity comes from inside you. Isn't it true? Sometimes the condition of a Christian's walk can be so bad that they can be out of step with God. And suddenly there are impurities in their lives. They are, uh, and they are allowing things in their lives that are contrary to their new nature in Christ. Is that what you've been allowing But purity means to be genuine. To be real, in other words. Purity means to be free. Free from the things that would defile us. But when we think of being pure, you spoke, speaks about impurity here. When you think about being pure, there has to be an internal deep work. A transformation At the most profound level in my life, not only of what we do, but of who we are. That's when we talk about transformation, eh? In terms of impurity. And, you know, people, when you think of impurity, people have impure attitudes, impure motives. And they think it's fine to be like that. But that's not part. Of the new life that we have in Christ. But then we go further, you see, this thing is all encompassing and it goes further. It's not only impurity, it goes to lust. Whoa, Father, our huddles know. Lust are passions that are misdirected, often deeply desired above all else like a craving or like an addict needing a fix, you would know if you've been an addict of some sort but now you know when I think of this I think of uh, what what Job did in Job 31 verse 1 Job says I have made a covenant with my eyes to not look at a girl he says there lustfully men, young men What's been happening? Talk about lust, yeah. Eh? And then further, when we think of lust, we've got to watch over our thoughts as well. What we think, eh? And 2 Corinthians 10 verse 5 says, we demolish that stronghold. And the last part of that verse says, we take every thought captive in obedience to Christ. That's last. And it goes further. You see, it's all encompassing. We've got to get through this. And I don't want to ask to even rush through it because you know, I know there are people that are struggling with these areas in their lives. And you've got to come before the Lord and, and, and say, hey, well, I'm demolishing these things, I'm taking it captive. And then evil desires refers to wrong desires which lead to wrong actions. Oh, so many times I have a wrong desire, it is already wrong. And I know it, and now it leads to wrong actions. And I react in a wrong way. And I do and say things that I shouldn't say and think things that I shouldn't think. Eh? What about greed or covetousness? Greed is the desire to have more than what is rightfully yours or more than what is legally yours. Greed is a broad term that encompasses many things. It can be the desire to have more money well, There's nothing wrong to have money, but to the desire to have more and more, you know. And I love that verse. in Is it First Timothy six verse ten, which says the uh, the verse says uh, the love of money is what the root of of all evil. No, it's not. You, the interpretation is wrong. The root, the love of money, is the root of all kinds. That's the correct pro- interpretation. All kinds of evil. All kinds. You see what? If you can you see what you do, all kinds of evil are involved in that eventually. That's the correct, you know. But they have more money, the desire to have more things, the desire to have more power, the desire to have more fame, more. Mr Moore is there if somebody surname Moore Mr Moore it probably would not be Moore huh? whatever it might be however happy it makes you or innocent it seems it is harmful when our lives are shaped by things more than by Jesus and then secondly, our second point here. we already into our second point. Or we have, we, did we take too long there? Huh? The tangible display of change is personal. It is personal from verses 6 to 9. Here there is a list of, de- list of destructive emotions and dysfunctional communication that we must get rid of. He speaks about anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language, lying. And what we call interpersonal sins. So what are each of these sins? Anger and rage are similar. But the word anger here refers to a more settled attitude. If somebody is angry, he's angry. Eh? Somebody can tell you also, I'm angry. And you can see it on their face. Whereas rage refers to Sudden outburst. There's a big difference, eh? I'm angry. See the person's face, but then there's a sudden outburst. Now, I have been in the presence of some people that are so quiet, but then suddenly there's an outburst, and I'm standing there, and I'm saying, my goodness, I didn't think this person... Was, was able to react in this way, but the person reacted in that way. And it, you know what? It can happen to any one of us at any moment. And we've got to guard against it. That sudden outburst. And we say things we shouldn't say. And we react in ways we shouldn't react. Go to guard against that. What about malice here this morning? Eh? It's personal, eh? I've got to change. Malice is the intent to hurt or harm another person out of anger. It is the attitude of animosity that either wishes or does harm to another person. Is that where you are this morning? You wish the worst for the person. You just want to harm that person. Malice is glad when the other person is hurting and sorry when they do well. Is that what you are? Oh my goodness. That's not part of the Christian makeup. eh? Uh, uh, it cannot be. That's not what it's all about. It is the very opposite of Romans chapter 12. Verse 15 and verse 17, which says rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. And then verse 17, it says do not repay evil. For evil. Eh? What about slander here? It's a false report of another intended to harm out of anger. It's damaging another person's character and reputation. It's character assassination. Whoa, my Bible is falling apart. You know, even this now, my Bible is being assassinated here. Eh? Character assassination. Uh, defamation of character, all of that, eh? slander. Eh? Uh, and that's what, uh, the, you know, and, and, and so many times, that, um, you know, we as believers can so easily fall in that trap of being part of slander. I challenge you this morning. Rather be your brother or your sister's keeper than their slanderer, if you could use those words, or their killer, or a killer of them, slandering them with false reports. And even if it is the truth about them, you bring it to the Lord. You don't add another story to it. Because you see, rumors, when we begin with, when we start with rumors, that rumor will lead to where you don't want it to go. Even you have started that rumor. So we need to be so careful when it comes to slandering. And then we go further, there's falsey language. People, are you still with me? You're very quiet. Now this can refer to either dirty speech or even abusive language. Sometimes our language, you know, could be so abusive, we could be so destructive. We've got to be careful, brothers and sisters. As believers, it's just not part of our armor as believers. And then Paul adds lying to the list as well in verse 9. In these you too once walked, he says. So throw them away. Rid your heart of this evil which is so far beneath your new nature in Christ. It's way beneath it. No matter how steeped in sin you are today. No matter what upbringing you have had. No matter how far gone you are. Or how bleak your situation may be. I ask you this morning, is anything too hard for God? Genesis 18 verse 14. And where, where do we find it in Jeremiah 32? A question, Jeremiah asked the question also, is anything too hard for God? His grace is strong and able to change anything over the years i have heard many bad excuses that redeemed people have to justify their lack of growth in the lord and some of the excuses is first of all what i would call a hurt excuse do you not know what they have done to me therefore my bad behavior is justified have you heard that what about home excuse? You do not know how my parents treated me. I am who I am because of them. Have you heard that? People say that, eh? What about the word hard? No, not your heart, eh? Hard, hard excuse, H-A-R-D. I cannot change, it's too hard. I cannot change, it's too hard. Is it too hard? if you can do all things through Christ, this is the not favorite verse I, you can, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me eh? Eh? <laughs> amen <laughs> eh? but what, halfway excuse eh? I will change if they change first have you heard that? I will change, they, if they change I will change but while they are not changing I'm not prepared to change. That's halfway, going halfway. That's not the way it is with us as believers. Eh? And then, of course, the history excuse. We say things like, and we refer to the past all the time. Things like the past performance predicts future behavior. Is that true? And completely disregard the power of the gospel in the heart of a sinner like you and I. God, in His sovereign grace, can and does triumph over the rebellion in a sinner's heart, bringing light and life where there was only darkness and death. As long as He is in the equation, anything is possible. He can transform any situation and any, situ- any circumstance. I wish you had said amen to that, but you're quiet now. But then the third thing is a tangible display of change. This tangible display of change is continuous. This is 9 to 10 here. The language here is putting off and putting on. You will read about it. There. This is 9 to 10. And it's a clothing metaphor again. eh? Paul's simple point is, Christian, be who you are in Christ. Did you hear that? Be who you are in Christ. Don't try to be somebody else or someone else. When we do not live in line with our new nature, we lie. Not just personally, but we lie to one another as well. We are called to wear Christ wherever we go. I'd love to wear Christ wherever I go. Are you wearing Christ wherever you go? To your home? To your place of employment? To wherever you go? Do you wear Christ? We are called to wear Christ wherever we go. Let the message about Christ... In all its richness, fill your lives and enrich the lives of others. Does the Christ-like lifestyle define you this morning? And we're getting to that now because this is the crux of the message here this morning. The old you, we must remember, and this is what Paul tried to say to these Colossian believers. The old you have been replaced with the new you. All right, since you have been raised in Christ. In other words, it has already happened. Christ has already paid it all in full for you. You were reclosed Ooh, in Christ. Amazing, eh? That's what happened when you came to Christ. You were reclosed. He already filled your closet with your new lifestyle. In fact, you already fold your life with your new lifestyle. You simply have no choice each day but to put on those clothes and to keep them on. Are you keeping them on, brother, sister? You have already changed clothes. Why put on the old self again? You do not put on or take off the old and replace it with the new. You, yeah, you know, do you? And you do not put on old clothing, put, or rather put on old, put old clothing over the new, do you? Nobody would do that. You take off the old and you replace it with that new. You cannot be regenerated, in other words, and unregenerated at the same time. Is it possible? Is people still with me here? I'm almost through. If you have been raised with Christ, certain clothing, it's got to go. Certain things that you are walking around with, attitudes you are walking around with, certain things that you are thinking about, it's got to go. A certain image does not fit anymore. That old image does not fit anymore. Since you have stripped of the old self with its practices, they do not fit anymore. They are out of sync in your life. Today we are an image-obsessed culture. Isn't it true? People are so aware of the image, eh? Looking the part is more important than anything else in our society. Clothes have the power to portray an image. And then we walk around with these brand names and all of that. Isn't it true? But what we see may not be the whole story. God created us in his image so that we would display, reflect, communicate who he is, how great he is, and what he is like. Did you hear that this morning? That's what it's all about. What he is like. The word for image in Hebrew as the meaning of something that is carved out or cut out. I'm asking you this morning, is he daily deepening his divine image that has been engraved in you? Or what is happening in your life right now? Are you putting on a lifestyle to match the one, the one, Who is Christ that is in you? So the question is, what are the clothes you are wearing today? What is hanging like a weight over you? Filling your life with regrets never, you God never intended you to carry. See, we have a tendency of hanging on to things, to sins for too long. And the Lord is this morning challenging us through His Word to let go of it. To let it go. The image Paul uses is that we are daily wrapping ourselves in this new life that embodies the life and presence of Christ. Are you doing that this morning? The pastor was having a conversation with a soap maker. Have you ever had a conversation with a soap maker? The soap maker complained that Christ has been around for more than 2,000 years. Yet there were still wars and meanness and hunger and hatred. The pastor replied, you are right. But the fact is that soap has been around also for more than 2,000 years. Yet, there are still dirty hands, kits covered in mud, filthy clothes, and germs being spread. The soap maker jumped to his defense. That's not a problem with the soap. Soap only works if you use it. Pastor looked at him. It is the same with Christ, Christ only works if people immerse or absorb themselves in him. Are you immersing yourself in him this morning? How much of Christ is evident in your life when others see us, do they see a true reflection Of the heart of Christ. Do they see loving hearts. Full of love. Even for the unlovely. Forgiving hearts. That do not harbor resentment. Humble hearts. That do not seek their own way. The words they hear from our lips. Are they words that Christ would utter? Or are they filled with bitterness? Gossip negativity, and what I would call the poison of denial. People always want to deny things. The poison of denial. To be a true reflection of Christ. The reflection must come from a changed heart. your heart changed this morning. Proverbs 27 verse 19 speaks about that. The Lord never alters the robe of righteousness to fit man. He changes the man to fit the robe of righteousness. Did you hear that? Isaiah 61, verse 10. We must ask ourselves this morning Am I more like Christ today than I was yesterday? Are you? Am I more like Christ today? than I was yesterday. And as I conclude, the world says, we must conform man in our image. The devil said, I will deform man by sin. Education says, let us inform man by knowledge. Society says, we will reform man by, by culture. Only Christ says, I will transform man by love, mercy, and grace. He loves you unconditionally. His mercy surrounds you daily. Things that should have happened, never happened. That's His mercy. And His grace is always sufficient for you. It's undeserved. Favor and blessing over your life. Challenge you this morning as we conclude continue to wear the all purpose garment of His love, His mercy, His forgiveness, His grace, His blessing in all situations. Amen. Father, thank you for your word this morning. Thank you for challenging us. And Lord, Colossians was written to believers who thought that they could just casually live their lives for you. But then the Apostle Paul saw that and as a father, he spoke from his heart to each one of them. Lord, this morning, each one of us here are gathered here, Lord, and there are certain issues that we are struggling with. Help us, Lord, to represent you in a way that is such a blessing that is so powerful and attractive that others are drawn to you because of the life that we are living. Thank you, Lord, for your word this morning. Won't you continue with us further? Use us, Lord, to be a reflection of you in everything we do and say and think every day. Amen.